Welcome to the Interns Hope Church Run the Podcast. I'm Jesse Brumfield. And I'm Isaac Little. We are two Americans living on mission in Wales. And we're uh, both inviting you guys to uh, walk with us as we talk about what it is and what it looks like to be life on mission in another country. Okay, welcome back. Another week of the Interns Podcast. Uh, This is our Q&A episode. So wrapping up this series that we've been in on missions A to Z from calling to actually getting yourself there and what it's like to settle into your mission field. And we just thought we'd address some questions today. So we've gotten really great questions, um, quite a few of them. So we're going to address them all. Some of them are pretty similar. So I've if they were similar, we're just going to answer that sort of once. So if you don't hear your question read, that's probably similar to someone else's. Um, and I just, I, the week um, that we're recording this, it's um, the first week of June. It's the same week that this podcast will come out. And uh, many of you will know events that have been happening in the news. And um, I just didn't feel settled in my heart about recording an episode and not addressing um, the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, um, especially being in America right now. So I'm not going to go any further into detail on that. Maybe Isaac, you want to, but I just want to address it and to say that we're not skipping over it. um, And that I um, am so sorry about it. And I am embarking on a journey, continuing a journey of learning more about how to be anti-racist, learning about whiteness, learning about um, systemic injustice when it comes to race in our country and in our world. And that I just feel like right now needs to be a more private journey and not so public. So that's, that's where I'm at. Um, But again, it just didn't feel right to not say something. So I don't know, Isaac, if you have anything you want to add. Yeah, the the only thing that I'd say about it is, um, there's in the kingdom of heaven there's no room for for racism there's there's no space for it and it, and it's it's will never be in the kingdom of heaven um we're all created by god and he's a wonderful creator he's a good father um and so if 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 that discussion wants to go f- if anybody wants to have a discussion about that further um you have our email addresses and you can talk to us one-on-one, send any questions to us, have that conversation. That we are some of the questions that we have for this, this week is, do you have to go to another country to be on mission? It's a good one, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. One that I hear often, um, and I think both of our answer would be unequivocally no. You do not have to go to another country to be on mission. I would venture to say that actually very few of us are called to go to another country to be on mission. And the vast majority of people are called to be on mission in your workplace, in your neighborhood, um, in your hometown. 100%. There's... um... There's actually a lot of people on mission right now from our churches in our hometowns, um, helping others, you know, in, in various different ways. And so it's the mission field, I would say, is we need, I would say we need more missionaries in America than any other country. But that's just personal opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, like we we typically think about a missionary going to another country, but you can be on mission right where you are. And I think that if you are a believer, I shouldn't say I think, I know, because scripture tells us, if you are a believer, if you are in Christ and you consider yourself a Christ follower, you are a missionary. Like you are called to be on mission. Your setting probably looks different than me and Isaac, but that could mean in your workplace, talking to a coworker about Christ. Like it could be you going across the street and loving your literal neighbor that's next door or across the street from you. It could mean you going across town and getting involved and something across town. Um, I think that there are just like countless ways that you can be on this mission right where you live. 100%. And this, so this question is, is sort of related. So I figured we'd address it right after that one. How can I get involved in missions without uprooting my family, but still have a meaningful impact in spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth? So one of my answers right off the bat is you can financially support missionaries. Like if you have the means to do that, um, you can help support missionaries that are out there on the field. and And that is a way to partner with them. You're not in a financial position to do that. Maybe it's pray like getting the names of the missionaries from your church and pr- like committing to pray for them. But I think serving your local church, making sure that you are plugged into a local church and serving there, often churches, like if you partner with your church, they have the resources and the means to serve in different capacities throughout your city or your state or wherever you are um, that you as an individual might not be able to go and do. So by partnering with them, getting plugged in with them and where they might already be working. um, Yeah, I think finding organizations that you believe in, like that you um, feel called to serve. I like, I can speak for my city here in Jacksonville, 
there's organizations like Hadassah's Hope that go into strip clubs and minister to women working in strip clubs. There's Sponsored by Grace that goes into one of the most dangerous zip codes in our city and ministers to the kids in that zip code. There's, I mean, countless Boys and Girls Clubs, Salvation Army, like so many. Um, I would just say like research what's going on in your area and get plugged in with an organization that speaks to you. Yeah, I think um, two things that can help with this with this question. Um, one way that you can get involved in missions as a family is, you know, reading the Bible together, um, studying yeah. the Bible together, um, incorporating a, a, a time where, you, as a family, you guys can study the Word on your own. You know, personal relationship with God. That is a huge way to impact your community, your family members, and everybody else. That's good. Uh, I think sometimes we, I think what's really awesome about the ends of the earth is the ends of the earth could just be your next door neighbor's door. And you have Very to true. take the courage to, you know, go 35 steps or how many steps it is to your neighbor's house and start being a neighbor to them, start showing love. Um, loving one another too, um, as Christians too, being peaceable and walking with one another as a community. Um, those are some real powerful ways that you can impact and spread the gospel by living it. And, you know, I know that there's this one pastor who, um, he, his neighbor was um, really old and she was a widow. And all he did was clean her gutters and mow her lawn and plant tulips and flowers in her garden and uh, started to get to know her. And this, this pastor knew her by name. Um, and the, he was getting some construction done on his house. And so the construction workers put out a sign on his front lawn. And she come bursting out of the house. Mind you, an old woman who can't even mow is going as fast as she can to the neighbor's house crying because she thought that they were moving. It wasn't because he went to her house and told her, have you heard about Jesus Christ, our Lord yeah. and Savior? It was because he mowed the lawn like Christ would do. He emptied yeah. the gutters like Jesus would do taking care of a widow. And so I, I think that, and I know that you would agree with this, actions speak louder than words. Um, love is an action um, as well as a word. Yeah, that's so good. I do think like if, um, if we like often it's just if we, love other people if we are a friend maybe it's someone at work um maybe it's your literal neighbor but just being a friend being kind to people um when your actions show the fruit that you're bearing from being in christ like people are naturally going to know that there's something different 
about you. Like, and they might just naturally start to ask you about that, or it might naturally lead to conversations. Like, I think like sometimes the worst thing we can do, I shouldn't, I don't know. That might not be the best way to put this, but it's just go up and be like, do you know Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Like, like, I mean, especially if you don't have a relationship with a person, like be normal, <laughs> like be a normal person. Um, and cause I'm a Christian. If somebody came at me like that, I think I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> um, but then also what you said about in your family, I think if Isaac and I are like, neither of us are parents. Um, but if you are a parent, the number one way that you are called to be on mission is to make disciples of your kids, disciple your children and teach them about Christ. Like that is number one. Good stuff. What was the, yeah. The next question you had was Psalms 121 verse seven reads, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. And how do you define harm? Would So I wanted to read a, another translation. Because yeah. I have, I, I actually have five um, different versions of the Bible with me on hand right now. Um, <laughs> I do too. It's on my phone. A, <laughs> oh, and Isaac has the actual copy. Uh, so the, this is the ESV version. And the verse 7 of Psalms 121 says, The Lord will keep you from all evil, and he will keep your life. And then it goes on to say, the Lord will keep you going out of your coming in. I'm sorry, I just watched it. The Lord will keep you from going out and your coming in for this time forth and forevermore. That was the ending of the psalm. Yeah. And I really love, um, I really love how David and uh, a couple other. I don't know how many authors are involved with the Psalms and writing uh, these, these worship songs. Um, and I love how the entire Psalms 121, um, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's from a very famous song. I, I mm -hmm. think it's Jeremy Camp. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, I just, I, I like that version because it, it puts into the perspective of the Lord does protect and he does keep and guard yeah. our, our lives. Um, that doesn't, it doesn't replace the fact that there's evil and that there is harm done in this world, physically, emotionally, um, even spiritually. You know, you got, yeah. you have people that curse other people, you know. So the way that I would define harm is evil motive towards someone else. One of the, I think it was Sun Tzu who defined war at its basic is making someone else, someone else's soul submit to your, or someone else's will submit to your will. And I would consider that harm because you're forcing someone else to agree with you, um, no matter what the, what the subject is. Well, 
I think you bring up a good point in looking to another translation. I think that that's just a good opportunity for us to encourage people when you're doing Bible study and there's something that you don't understand or you question. Sometimes the first thing to do is to look up other translations. If you're not like Isaac and have actual physical copies of different translations, if you download the version app on your phone, it's free, and there are a number of different translations of the Bible. That's often what I do, number one. Some of the translations that I go to, so my, my physical Bible that I use is the ESV, but um, some of the other versions that I look at when I'm doing Bible study are the NLT, the New Living Translation. The NIV, that's the version I grew up on. Um, so that's the new international version. I also sometimes look at the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible. And then I also look at the message. I don't think that the message, it's not an, an actual translation of the Bible. Um, so but I think if you're struggling with something, it can really help you to maybe grasp. It's more looking at concepts, I think, than actual word for word translation. So sometimes that can help you get like, the gist of, of a scripture. So the crazy thing about the English language and uh, Greek and Hebrew is for you to fully understand what the word is being said um, in the context, you have to theologically research each individual word, the meaning of that word in Greek or Hebrew, and then figure out what it meant, meant for that day what it means for today, the gap in between. If, if you're wondering what a lot of scripture, uh, the context of scripture, it's very important to do all of that. But don't let that overwhelm you. Yeah. If you are new to Bible study, just start by reading the Bible. Don't let all of that cloud you. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit enables us to understand scripture. So even if you have no idea about any of that, the Holy Spirit is within you. Maybe start by praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal God to you in the pages that you're reading, and you have the power on your own to to interpret Scripture. So don't let that intimidate you. And then, so to to go back to the question, how do you define harm? I agree, Isaac. I don't think that this is speaking about physical harm. I don't think that this verse is stating that we'll never have harm. In fact, in many areas of the Bible, we are assured of the fact that harm will come to us, that we will experience persecution, that life will not be easy. <laughs> and it's interesting. So this question came from my dad. And even if it hadn't, I would have probably brought up my dad. So my dad has stage four cancer. You could say that that is great harm, that like physical harm has come to him. And I think we all have instances of that, even if it's not us personally, it's loved ones, or maybe you've experienced trauma in your life, whether that's emotional abuse, um, physical abuse. So harm comes to us and it's quite common. But what God promises is that he is with us. And I think of this as like eternal harm. So he keeps us from all harm. When I think of that, I think of for eternity. So like our eternity is secure. We will be with God. Once we, we die and we leave this earth, we will be with God in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity and that nothing can take that from us. Somewhere in scripture, I don't know where, but it says that like everything we experience now on earth 
will be like, but the blink of an eye, it will be like, we'll barely remember it. And when we're with God in glory. So and that's not to minimize harm here. Like it is harm is real. It's painful, but um, the devil cannot impact our eternity. He can only, he can only get to us here on earth. That's my thoughts on that. Shall we move on? Bit of a lighter question. Yes. How different is the culture in Wales compared to the U.S.? Drastic. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some subtle differences, and then there's some serious, serious differences. Um, subtle difference is the sidewalks here are not concrete. They are either pavers or they are um, some, some of it I've seen asphalt laid as the sidewalk. So that's different. That's something that yeah. I noticed that is, that is different. Food is different. Yeah, food is different. Sorry. Food is different. I'm just going to, anytime that I have the ability to bring up food, I'm going to do it for the listeners. We talked to you all about how coffee is different. Mm. I think overall that this is, this is a bit hard for me to answer because we are in a specific part of Wales and it's very apparent to me that like things are different. Even if you went 45 minutes away to Cardiff, the culture would be different from where we are in the valleys mm -hmm. and the culture in Wales is different, I think, than England in a lot of ways. So I overall, I would say it is different than the U.S. I think there's an assumption that it's similar to the U.S. because we speak the same language, kind of. Um, so a lot of people assume that it's the same and it, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> I think like even of the things like, uh, you know, dinner over there, like you don't say, oh, I'm going to go have dinner or like go home and have dinner it's oh i'm gonna go home and have tea like dinner equals tea um not like the drink but like it's so that still throws me i think the government is very different like in america we're used to having your mayor of your city you have a governor of your state you have congressmen um, or representatives in Congress and then representatives in the Senate. Um, it, I don't even understand how it all works in the UK. I know that Wales is a devolved government, so they have some autonomy from England, but not completely. And there's like council members and we have a local council. I haven't figured all of it out, but that's very different. Um, what else? But there, there are a lot of similarities too. They drive on the left side of the road. They do. They drive on the wrong side of the road. Everybody drives a stick shift. Like to find somebody who has an automatic transmission is rare. So that's, that's weird. But like one thing I would say as far as like when you go to someone's home or just like cultural norms, a lot of that is the same. Like if you go to the UK and you're an American, like there are different cultures that handle things different, like greetings, you know, in some countries, shaking someone's hand is not what's done. Hugs aren't done, you know, whatever. Like that all is very similar to me. Um, 
So next one is when you think of Wales and the Welsh culture, what's something you have learned or experienced that you'll always remember with joy and that you want to assimilate in your life going forward? So I think assimilating into our life going forward is the key part of that. I really love the the hospitality here where it's always, there's always an offer of a drink and um, biscuits, which is um, cookies, in the American term. But um, I just love that the 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 level of you know it is it's similar at home where it's like make yourself at home and do you want anything to drink or anything like that? But there's a little bit more insistence um, here of like it's it's not asking do you want tea, coffee, water, or anything. It's I'm getting you something. You let me know what I'm getting you. Like it's going to be water, tea with milk and sugar or what would you like? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bringing it. So it's a little bit more um, insistent that the guest be taken care of, you know? Yeah. I would agree. That was going to be my number one answer. It's just the hospitality. But I think overall the Welsh people are just such a warm and welcoming and friendly people like even people you see on the street um are just so friendly like people that I meet and and part of that might be because you know we we sound different like but every time I go to a shop or any a cafe like people are just so nice (laughs) I would say too oh sorry well they just like they ask you about yourself and where you're from and like are genuinely interested and so um, I love that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, part of the, they are, everybody knows everybody here. It is a smaller, a smaller town where, you know. They know you're an outsider. Well, just waving. I mean, everybody waves at everybody too. So, yeah. I mean, like I, I ride by, um, when I'm, if I'm riding my bike and I end up being going through town, one of the streets, you know, um, strangers will, will, uh, wave at me and I'll wave at them. Or if I need directions, I, I know that I can stop and ask somebody for help and they'll be like, Oh, you just go up this road and to the right or your left and follow your way down. Um, and so would you recommend to someone else to come to the Rhonda for what, a year on mission? I say, yeah. Hundred percent. If that's where God's calling you, that's the important piece. If you feel called, then yeah. What I about you? Yes. I would say yes as well. I mean, Hope Hope Church is awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know of any other any other places that are doing internships in the Rhonda beside besides you know uh, Hope Church. So. Uh, they, if if you were to come, you'd be in safe hands. You'd be in great hands. Um, yeah, can I sign that hundred percent. Um. So next question is, what's your favorite thing about Wales so far? I think we kind of covered that because, like, my answer to that would be the hospitality and the people. I don't yeah. know about you. definitely people. I mean, I. I love everybody here. Just yeah. awesome. 
Um, love the weather. I think what you love the weather. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I think what's crazy is like I was only there for a few months before I had to come home and like again yeah, I'm going back. But the amount of like connection that I feel to the people there after just a few months and the amount that it feels like a second home is really surprising to me. And I love that. So next question. Isaac. What do you miss the most from home? And then second part is, what are you looking forward to the most when lockdown is over in Wales? I, mean, I miss most from home is, you know, the people. Right? It's the same F family and, you know, my nieces and nephews. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I miss the most. Um, friends and it just... The community that I have uh, with Heartland, you know, the family there as well. And what I'm looking forward to the most when lockdown is over. I don't know the secret ins and outs of um, the valley. And so uh, everybody else does. They know the secret paths, uh, the hiking, the explorations of, you know, of the valley trails and so I'm looking forward to being, you know, shown those paths, doing those hikes and those places. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, also, yeah. the other thing that I'm looking forward to is being able to meet physically again. So Jesse, what do you miss most about in Wales? And what will, what will you miss from home when you come back? I miss the most from Wales, the people. I miss millionaire shortbread and I miss being able to walk places. And what I'm going to miss from home when I return, which should be soon now, is my family. Like my family, my friends here, I will miss the beach greatly. <laughs> I will greatly miss the beach. Uh, I will miss Chick-fil-A and I will miss good Mexican food. That is what mm. I will miss. <laughs> All right. Continue. Good little segue what? into the next question. What's the worst food you've tried in the UK? I, I don't have an answer for that because um, there are certain foods that I just know I'm not going to like because of the, the texture. And so I have refused. Um, I can't, I don't know what it's called, but it's black and it's, uh, it's pig's blood that's turned into a, like a, a patty. It's something that that's normal to eat, but I'm not willing to try it. Um, but everything else I've, I've actually eaten, you know, I've actually eaten and there's not really much, culturally that that everybody eats that's um what do you call it that's horrible if that makes sense so mine would be faggot now i know that this is a derogatory term in a lot of the world so i'm not referring to that meaning of the word but it is a dish 
that's like pretty common in Wales. And I just Googled it to, to get the correct description. They are meatballs made from minced offcuts and offal. Traditionally, pig's heart, liver, and fatty belly meat uh, together with herbs and flavoring. So I tried them and they have the texture of brains and that just, and just knowing what's in there. Just, and they don't taste good. Like I just, not a fan, not a fan. Texture is what gets me. It wouldn't be necessarily the flavor that would throw me off. Could you ever see yourself moving to the Rhonda, even just for a couple of years? Honestly, no. If I'm being honest, I couldn't see myself living there long term, like long, long term. Mm. Um, I love. I have a love for it. I have a love for the Rhonda Valley. Love the people. Love the church. There's a lot that I love about it. But um, I think I've realized more and more that it's just not like the um, I'm I'm just more of a beach girl. I <laughs> I realize I love I really love living in Florida, and not saying that I'm going to live in Florida forever. But I think just like a more coastal area is what I'm made for, and so probably not. Um, what about you? Yes. Yes. I I would move if it was, yeah, I could see myself living here for a couple more years. Okay. So this is interesting for the last question. I didn't intentionally do this. And mm. I think, um, I know who this question came from. And so I think this question is specific to dating, I feel like. Um, so they asked, for me, how different are Welsh guys compared to the guys that I encounter in Florida? And then for Isaac, the question is, how different are Welsh girls from the ones that you encounter in Indiana? So uh, <laughs> I don't, I feel apprehensive about <laughs> addressing this one. Um, Number one answer that I've got is the accent. Ugh. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's obvious. That's I I can't like paint broad strokes here and like say all Welsh guys are different than guys from Florida. Exactly. That's what I'm. So I would say that the only difference that I've seen in women that are difference between Indiana and here is the accent, because the like, even even specifically to to narrow it down the difference between you and the women in, in Indiana that I've met so far is that I know that you're a Christian. I know that uh, you live in Florida and you're from Florida and you have a Southern accent. I, I would say that those are the only things that I can distinguish between you and the women that I know that I can identify the things about you, but it, to say that there's a, difference when it comes to all the women between there and here or there and you for me I, I'm not I guess I wouldn't even know how to begin to do that because it's like a yeah now I think, we, like, I think we both see people as individuals 
And so it is like, like, I'm just going to say there are, I have had many challenges dating in Florida and in Jacksonville. Like it's not fun and it's not easy. And because there are good guys and there are bad guys. And that is true everywhere. There are great guys in Florida, great guys in Wales, horrible guys in Florida, horrible guys in Wales. And that's just like true of humanity in general. And so, yeah, I would, it's, it's the accent, it's the culture that they've grown up in that's different. Like the, the fact that like they've grown up in a different country than me and that is different. But beyond that, like, and I am certain that the same challenges that exist in dating in America and in Florida exist in Wales, in Indiana, or in most other places in the world. And the, and the only reason why I would ever add Christian or non-Christian is because I think that's something very vital and important to uh, Christians is recognizing, mm-hmm. well, I, you should be dating somebody who is pursuing the same goals as you, you know, like, otherwise it's going to really suck for you as a Christian dating a non-Christian and you want to go yeah. in this direction. And then you're going to get a tug from that other person that's like, well, not really. I want to do me. Yeah, I completely 110% agree with that. I think it is vitally important because your entire foundation will be different. Like the entire foundation of my life, the way that I make decisions, the everything that I do is influenced by my life being dedicated to Christ. And often if your life is not dedicated to Christ, my choices probably don't make sense. And so if you have chosen to tie yourself to your partner for life, and that is someone who shares a different foundation, then like at some point that is going to impact your relationship negatively. So that was fun. A little challenging. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What we learned this. Oh, before we do that. Uh, rewind. Um, new segment alert. Whoop, whoop. What are you loving what are you- and what are you reading? So we're going to try this out for size and see how it goes. So Isaac. What's one thing you're loving and one thing you're reading? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely loving hiking and biking. This is a uh, we're, – we're I'm allowed to exercise. So I have been doing it to the fullest extent. And, uh, yeah, and then what am I reading? Well – I'm reading. I'm currently halfway through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, That has been uh, the thing that I've been reading outside of the Bible. And I still love writing music, so I've been doing that in my own time and personal continuously throughout this lockdown. What are you loving and what are you reading? Um, I am loving the beach loving it loving going to the beach whatever chance I get and for reading I just finished get out of your head by Jenny Allen 
and it was fantastic. It's all about stopping the toxic thought spirals that we can get trapped in, like the lies that we believe about ourselves and like the fact that we have um, we have a choice with our thoughts and that we have been given the, like God has replaced our heart um, of stone with a heart of flesh and we've been given the mind of Christ. And so we have choice and we have a choice to not believe those lies. Um, so that's something that I struggle with a lot. And so it was really good. I just, I highly recommend it, especially if you deal with anxiety or any of those, like just thought patterns that are harmful. Mm. I've also been rereading the entire Harry Potter series over quarantine. And it's like one of the best choices I've made. I love it. It's an escape every night. Um, big fan. I, it's been long, like I read them when they first came out when I was a kid. And so it's been a long enough time that I don't remember all of the details. And so it's been great. And then the other thing I'll say is I am, I just started a book by Austin Channing Brown. It's called, um, I'm still here. And then the subtitle or subheading is Um, black dignity in a world made for whiteness I think I'm getting that right and it's fantastic Um, I'm only like maybe a third of the way in but it is shifting the way that I understand whiteness and white culture Um, and I would love recommendations on what to read after that to educate myself on topics of race so, all right. What'd you learn this week, Isaac? I learned that I've been writing um, this week. I was writing a song out of Psalms 103, and the uh, the the King James version uh, has "Blessed the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with with me." within me, goodness, and bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, and who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that the youth is renewed like eagles, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dwelt with us after our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. So it it continues on. But I thought it was just really cool that there's a lot of like, who forgiveth, who healeth, who redeemeth, who crowneth, who satisfieth, who executeth, who flourishes, passeth, you know, like the, all the, the words and the old English text of, you know, who forgives, who heals, who redeems, who crowns. 
I guess that's one thing that I learned. I didn't know that there were so many F's behind words used. What have you learned this week? Uh, so I won't say that this is something that I learned necessarily for the first time, but just reminded of the power of prayer and that prayer really works. And uh, I was having a really low day last week um, and just at a point where I didn't feel like I had like I had prayed the prayers that I could. And like, sometimes we just don't have the strength to pray for ourselves. And so reaching out to others and asking them to pray for us um, is important sometimes. And it works. There's power in it. So just a reminder. That's what I got. Well, this, this wraps up our Q&A episode. It was fun. Hopefully we'll do another one of these at some point. Mm. and again these are our answers just remember they're based on our experiences and our opinions they don't necessarily represent the opinions of hope church ronda we don't claim to be right on all of these so we're happy to have discussions or conversations about any any bit of it all right well we will see y'all back here next week uh hope you have a great week remember to subscribe to the podcast rate it review it share it with your friends send it to them share it on your social media uh we just and it's not about getting ourselves noticed that is because we really want this podcast to be a resource we want it to get into the ears of the people that it could help so um thanks for hanging with us for another episode And have a wonderful week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.